Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm your media host, Natalie Bourne. We are so excited to have you. Look, our primary focus at Thrive is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it to your success at work. Today, I am talking to our founder of Thrive and also the founding pastor of Victory Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Colleen Rouse is with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a great topic for us to talk about. Yeah, you know, especially as we kick off the new year, um, a lot of us are rethinking things, right? We're rethinking our leadership. We're rethinking some of the things we did last year and places that we want to do a little different this year. And one of the topics that I was hoping we would dig in and talk about today is something you've written about in your article on hardship leadership. And so this was such a great conversation in the Thrive Today magazine that I wanted to kind of pull it forward and have us talk a bit about it a little bit today. So can you start by just telling us the premise for why you even wrote this article in the first place? Absolutely. So so when we talk about heart-shaped leadership, you know, does that sound too soft? You know, it's really what we're pointing to is the relevancy of the word of God as far as informing our actions. And particularly when we're talking about taking necessary disciplinary actions with our staff. So if you're in a position of leadership, it's incumbent upon you from time to time to deal with people who are not performing up to par or there are some relational difficulties, those kind of hard moments. How do we navigate around those? I mean, you have your HR guideline in front of you and we all know that we need to adhere to those. But what I don't want us to fail to understand is the importance of the word of God even superior to what the HR guidelines, because I think if we obey what the word of God says, we are going to also be in compliance with HR guidelines. And so I want us to get the priorities right about this, because that's how we have success with people. After all, the HR guidelines, you know, the HR community did not create mankind. God does. He knows, he knows how to connect with us. He knows how to motivate us and he knows how to correct us. That's so good. And I, you know, I think a lot about even just, you know, people who are having to have these conversations, it's never comfortable. It's never easy. And what a lot of people miss out on is coaching on how to have these conversations. Oftentimes they're just thrown into the deep end and they don't even really know how to do it. So I think part of what's a challenge is if you're uncomfortable in your own skin having these conversations, then it's going to translate as you sit down to try to have these conversations. So I just, I love that we're unpacking this because this is a lot of the, where the rubber meets the road in leadership. And these are, these are real conversations that we have to have. And so I want to just talk a little bit about, you talk about some of the traits of a heart-shaped leader. Let's start there with those traits. And then I would love to get into the where the rubber meets the road of how we actually have some of these hard conversations. Absolutely. And I want to point out also, you know, you read HBR did a great article on the high need for empathetic leaders. Like this has made its way to the top as far as when you're looking for a leader, as far as them being a high functioning leader, they really have to understand how to lead from the heart. So this has made its way into corporate America, which is is awesome because what they're doing is recognizing a trait, a Christ-like trait that above all, if we are followers of Christ, we need to, this needs to be a core competency. So I kind of refer to this as when I talk about heart-shaped leadership, it's kind of like 
there's a trifecta there and it's compassion, it's courage and conviction. That's to me, the trifecta. We have to have a high measure of those three things. And so when we talk about compassion, I think I look at that and I say that first intentionally because to me, it's the bedrock, okay? It's our understanding that our primary purpose as a leader is to serve those who are serving alongside and underneath us. So if that's the case, then compassion is what is going to fuel us, not aggravation, not disappointment. Compassion has to be the bedrock. And conviction is something that arises out of prayerful listening because we're not operating independently. I'm making the assumption that if we're a leader and we have to deal with conflict, that we're taking this to the Lord and we are listening to the heart of God and then he directs our steps. Okay, not what somebody wrote on a piece of paper that's accusational against another employee. And then courage, to me, courage is the catalyst to get us to move forward. And, and I'll talk in a little bit as far as we're unpacking this. I was one of the most, like, I feared confrontation early on as we were developing the church and the staff was growing. If there was something I hated, it was confrontation. And, you know, that a lot of people are like that. I get worried about the people who like confrontation because I don't understand why would you like that? But this was, I had to learn because I came to the table with nothing. I came to the table with fear. I had been raised as a child to be a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. There is a difference. And so, you know, I am talking as someone who was just loudly a confrontation and how God's wisdom really helped school me to do it in a way that was effective. This is so, so important because I feel like we can all relate to this. I think this is, especially when we think about the first time we sit down or, or maybe the first few times we sit down to have a hard conversation. I think we can all relate to not wanting to be disliked, not wanting yeah. to upset the person, wanting to be really clear about what the ask is, but not wanting to walk away in strife, right? We want to walk away in peace. And so I just love that we're talking about this because this is so difficult, I think, for so many people. And I'll just parallel this. Like part of what I love about sales is they force you to role play. If you're doing it right, you role play almost daily. So back when I used to lead sales, we would have our sales team call each other and they had to role play selling a certain product on a certain day. And they would just do these through repetitions. And why did we do that? It's so we weren't practicing on the customer. We were practicing on each other. <laughs> and I think so often when we're having these hard conversations, we haven't role played them out. And so we're practicing on people instead of really knowing what's the right way to navigate this hard conversation. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about that and just kind of dig in on that a little bit more. That is excellent because if you think about the importance of our role as a leader, we affect outcomes. We set trajectory for people's lives. And so this is something we need to approach prayerfully. But the whole idea of experimentation on a person, you know, there are certain things that I'm one of those people. I don't know why I'm this way. You know, when I, what I like to do is I love to entertain, bring people over and serve dinner. But I also use them as guinea pigs. Like I will try out new recipes that I've never, that's why I've never had a disaster. 
Well, only one time. But anyway, I think with this kind of thing, I love what you're offering here because the idea of bouncing it off another colleague and going back and forth and seeing how it lands, because not only do you get to see how it lands with them, you get to hear yourself. You're listening to yourself and you can edit what needs to be edited before you, you know, hit the main stage with that situation. Yeah, that's so important. It's it's funny. I had a new manager many years ago and we were modeling back and forth a conversation that she was going to be having with an employee. And I was giving her a hard time as the one that was pretending to be the employee. So I was like, I didn't do that. Oh, you need to prove that. Like, you know, just all the things that you would say back and forth when you think of yourself in that situation. And it was so funny. She came back to me and she said, that was some of the things that were said. And wow. so often we don't, we don't, we're think, not prepared, right? Yes. We're not prepared for the person to say, I don't know what you're talking about or no, I didn't. And so part of what I love when we're just training new leaders is to also help them understand, like, so often, you know, we have a conversation, we leave each other and, you know, you think one thing, I think another. And then when Absolutely. we get back together, there's this disconnect. And so even saying, what did you hear me say? And then yeah. going away and putting that in writing, not to cover yourself per se, yeah. but to cover the conversation in a way where we can say, hey, let's pull that up because maybe it was unclear, but here's what I wrote. And then here's where you responded. Let's just talk through that so we can get on the same page. We miss out so much on just getting on the same page. And so as a leader, if I'm going to have one of these hard conversations, I always start with the question, was I clear? Yeah. And if I look at everything I've said and wrote and I can look at it and say, I wasn't clear, then I have to own that. If I can say, oh, I was clear three times, then we got to have a different conversation on how to get you in alignment with the expectation of where we're going. So I love just asking that question, was I clear? Because sometimes I really wasn't. And I mean, if anything, and we're talking about discussions that you're going to have with your employees, if at any time that this is essential, it is in times of conflict. Because there's always that whispering voice in the back of our minds, the accusational voice and the defensive posture. And so, you know, we can put up our walls when people are confronting us. So if you're on the receiving end of this, we have to understand that it's very easy. Our first go-to reaction is to put up a wall and to defend ourselves. And so I don't think, you know, one of the things that the Lord said to me that, to me, this was a game changer as far as in the midst of a conflict, conversation about conflict, is he said, you know, Colleen, as far as letting somebody go, he said, it is not your job. The onus is not upon you to convince them that of your decision of why they need to be released. You need to walk into that room with the conviction in place. And because sometimes something as brutal as, hey, you're gone, it's going to take a while for that to settle in. And so you can get into this combative thing, that argument that is not going, that is not productive conversation. When it becomes combative and you find yourself trying to convince them, you know, if you're in the state of Georgia, it's fire at will, right? You legally don't have it, but I don't think we should carry that onus upon us because it is counterproductive in the whole process. That's so, it's so interesting just to kind of, you know, unpack this a little bit more. And you're, I think you're right. Like just because it's fire at will does not mean that we as a leader, you know, don't have a process that we need to follow in ways that we need to think about this. And so I do think that what I loved something you said in the article is you talked about being 
firm yet flexible. flexible. And I want to talk about that a little bit more because I think that firmness is these are our expectations. Maybe we've talked about these expectations two, three, four times. And so now the firmness is, hey, we have a standard. You're not adhering to the standard. Let's talk about that. And and so I want to get into this firm yet flexible, because I think this is where sometimes leaders bend <laughs> where they yeah. have to stand. Well, and I think you are firm on principle. You are flexible with the application. So we talk about picking your battles, choosing where you're going to take the strong stance. And you take the strong stance on principle, whatever the truth is, every company has core values. And when those values are violated, it's up to us to determine the severity of it, the consistency of it, you know, the frequency of it. And at some point, if these are your core values and you're allowing people to just continue to not come underneath and support and fulfill those, then it's not a core value. But if it is, then it needs to be held up as a core value. And so what you end up doing is using that as a teachable moment for someone. So that's where the flexibility comes in. Because sometimes I am coming in, I've had a few situations, unfortunately, where I had to let people go. And do you know what? Some of those conversations, there were two occasions where I ended up not firing the person based on some of the stuff we're talking about here. And because I was watching their reaction and I'm sort of reading between the lines, but in actuality, what I see is reading between the lines, that's code for I'm listening to the Holy Spirit tell me what they're saying. And so I'm hearing things. There are words that are he's highlighting and he's telling me that there's flexibility here. So I'm holding fast to this is the core value and we cannot you know, compromise on our core values in this conversation with the individual. I love and, that. But as we watch their response to it, and this is where we've got to be intuitive leaders, because of course the person sitting in that chair is going to try to sell you. So you have to just weigh that moment out. And there are some other things that are a part of this as well that we can kind of unpack here before we make this decision that what is really true? And so instead of firing them, maybe we want to give them 14 days or something, you know, what is the application? Okay. So before there's a preliminary step, I think we have to take. And before we jump into that point, and that is that we have to invest before we concede. And I mentioned that there are two individuals and you know, I remember the scripture in Luke chapter 13, where the gardener was going to take the tree out and the master was, the gardener says, Hey, let me just give it another year. Give it some more time. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. And maybe it'll produce fruit. And so the master agrees to this situation. So I see this applicable to the workplace because we have to ask ourselves, did we invest everything we need to for this individual? Do we need to fertilize it? Do we need to add something to it? Because it's all about helping people produce fruit. A lot of the onus of fruit production is on the individual, but there is something upon us as a leader to affect them in a way that's positive. I love that, man. And I've never heard anyone talk about that scripture in light of leadership and investing further in someone, which I think is a really beautiful thing. 
also think that we have to look at people's background as well. Sometimes people have never worked in a certain environment. And so sometimes maybe they don't have the skills or ability that we're trying to ask them to draw on. So yeah. do we need to spell that out? Like I've been in many situations where I've had to spell out, hey, we got to come to meetings on time. Hey, we got to do these things. Like, And then over-communicate if you're running behind or over-communicate if this, that, and the other. And so it's just sometimes people don't have those skill sets in them, but if you'll spell them out and help them understand how to rise to the bar, they'll meet you there. Absolutely. And I think this is really in play right now with the multi-generations in the workplace, because some of the younger generations haven't been raised the way we were raised and the way I was raised, because I know I'm older than you, right? I I am not boomer gender. I was raised with chores. I was raised with expectations. And, you know, it's hard to give kids chores. What is the chore, you know, make your bed? How much discipline, you know, how much grit is that going to instill in them? So if we're talking about a lot of younger leaders, I think that we need to take this into consideration. Not that we enable them, but we understand where they're lacking and what can we do to help them to grow in excellency. I mean, this is what we're talking about right now as far as fertilizing it. It's particularly around things about competency. It's not things about character, you know, because if you have major character flaws and you're talking about dishonest, that's not a competency issue. And you know what? It just depends how important honesty is to you. For us, and particularly in ministry, it is like a non-negotiable. If you are dishonest, you cannot earn the trust of your team. You cannot earn my trust. You know, it's kind of like, I'm sorry, but this is just not going to work. It's one thing about lying about, you know, eating the candy bar, but you know, I'm talking about major, major, major things, right? That's, you know, it's so interesting as you were talking, I was thinking about the study that was done. That was so interesting. I don't know if I've ever told you about this, but there was two floors in this building and they put bagels on each of the floors. One was like a, you know, frontline employee floor. And the other one was like a management floor. And each floor, they told the people, it's a dollar for the bagel. So you leave a dollar behind, you get your bagel. On the management floor, believe it or not, they were taking the bagels without paying the dollar. And the idea was that they felt entitled. Like, hey, I'm a manager, I'm busy, I work hard here. It's only a dollar. But it's it's leaning into that. There's sometimes there's black and white areas and sometimes there's gray areas. And in all those areas, you want to know that people are acting with integrity, even in what seems gray. That yeah. they're still making the right decisions and the and putting the right foot forward there. And I agree. I think that that's one thing that is an absolute deal breaker. If we have a lack of integrity, I don't care how talented the person is. You cannot yeah. work with someone that has a lack of integrity. They will literally end up taking you down with them, right? So we think that the talent is going to take us places, but their lack of integrity is not going to keep them in that place. It's like that old adage, right? And so they end up, taking down the whole ship with them. And so I just, I love that, that that's an anchor point for us to kind of think about, to pause on and ask yourself, you know, is that a bar that you're hiring to? Because I think that probably is hands down one of the most important ones that we can think about. Well, and I'm thinking about this in the context of higher level leaders, you know, because the higher you go to the top, you don't have the option to do certain things that you might as, you know, somebody that's on a production line, right? It's, you just don't have those options. And 
because of your level of influence. And the higher you go to the top, the more you are a representative of the organization. You know, so they're seeing you and they're weighing and getting their picture and their idea of your organization based on your conduct. So that's why you don't have the room to play around with things, you know, that are important, like we're talking about in integrity. Yeah, that's so good. I know we're almost out of time. I want to know if you have any final thoughts as we think about this heart-shaped leadership, any final thoughts on how we can lead, especially in this new year, 2023, what are some things we can really just lean in on and think about in terms of how we lead today? Well, the game changer scripture for me regarding moving from fear to understanding that confrontation and having conflict is a matter of integrity was in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 8 and 11. And he says to us, you know what? God disciplines us as sons. This is a part of the relationship. And he says, discipline doesn't seems painful at the time, but later it will produce a transformation of character and it'll bring a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So when I read the scripture, I got it. And what I see is when I am confronting someone, I'm not doing it apart from them. I'm doing it beside them. I'm coming alongside them. And the other thing I see from this scripture is the whole is the yield. The yield is supposed to be harvest, the fruit of righteousness and peace. And so what I did was I reverse engineered it. And so when I'm talking about this is where this employee is. This is the lack. This is the problem here. This is the fruit we want to see. And so how do I approach them? What do I say to them? I mean, there is an onus upon them, right? But there still is an onus upon me that I cannot ignore because it takes the two of us to get this peaceable fruit of righteousness. It takes the three of the Holy Spirit, of course, right? So Reverse engineering it caused me to then find the template and to find the means of having the conversation. Okay, this is what I want to see. How do I say it to this individual? Granted, I know this individual. I mean, some people, you just got to, you got to hit them like this or they don't respect you, right? You can't dance around it. Other people, so knowing this individual, knowing how to approach them, knowing their personalities is essential. So I am going to come alongside this individual that I need to bring correction to. And I'm going to do it in such a way to hopefully get that kind of a yield. And when we operate with that template, I will tell you how many times that just saved me, saved the relationship and brought us to the place that we needed to be. Gosh, I love that. Those are some great final thoughts. And Ladies, I hope you'll think about this as you think about your personal leadership. Pick up this particular article and dig into it and spend some time thinking about those three areas that you can really make an impact this year. Courage, compassion, conviction. Did I get them? You did. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Colleen. This was amazing. I loved this. Awesome. I so enjoyed it. And I hope all you girls are diving into everything that Thrive has to offer because we are here to serve you. That's right. So go over to LinkedIn, follow Colleen Rouse there. I want you to go over to Instagram, CW Rouse, follow her there. 
And then don't forget to follow Thrive Today Women as well. You can go to Thrive Today Women on Instagram, follow us there. And of course, go over to thrivetoday.com and get into community. What are you waiting for? 2023 is an amazing time to step into community, to get mentored, to make sure that you're really looking at your leadership holistically. So we want to see you over at thrivetoday.com as well. Ladies, as you live your life, we want you to do it with leadership, community, and strength. Don't forget to thrive. We'll see you next time. 